Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But when it comes to you actually relating to God, you might still think that you are deserving to be stoned. You still might think, well, you carry this guilt, right? Now, here's the thing. It's a paradox. You should feel guilty when you sin, but you shouldn't feel guilty when you sin, right? Like, you know better. You shouldn't do that. Stop it. It's killing you. It's bringing death. It's hardening your heart, which is desensitizing you to the very thing that you need from God to walk free from that sin, which is grace. Sin hardens your heart. That's why you should stay away from it. But it will never cut you off from God. It will never send you to hell because that is not how God is relating to you. Amen? Amen? That's good news. Now, does that make you want to go out and sin? No. Actually, what it does is it makes you appreciate the freedom that you've been given. You know, personal responsibility actually comes alive in freedom. The founders of our nation actually understood that when they put things in place, you know. I don't want to get political, but there was a godly element in the origin of this nation to set people free so that they would govern themselves. Because those people believe that in freedom, people best govern themselves. And I, can I get an amen? Amen. amen? So that's a kingdom principle. Set you free, teach you who you are, change who you are, continually influence who you are, and then you will steward that freedom well. And so that's what we like to do is spend a ton of time helping you understand who you really are. Because you're going to do, you're going to act in accordance to who you think that you are. But if you're constantly bombarded with where you're missing it, you're going to keep missing it. The strength of sin is the law. So when you pray, I wonder what that looks like. Is there guilt there? You know, do you first come to the Lord with the guilt, with the shame, with where you've missed it? You know, it's a paradox, right? You don't want to get comfortable with sin. If you're comfortable with sin, your heart is hard. doesn't mean you're evil. It just means that you've become desensitized to God's leading away from it. Amen? However, he wants to cleanse you from a guilty conscience. He doesn't want you sitting and living within that guilt. Some forms of Christianity will make you think that if you feel guilty, especially after you come to church, if you feel bad... They've preached a really good sermon because now you feel bad and they've shown you just how dirty and dark you are. No. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What do you think Jesus feels like? Well, that was kind of a big one. (laughs) So let's look at prayer. Let's let's just kind of look at prayer from that perspective. And we're actually just going to walk through Matthew 6. Um, we're going to look at it from the New Living Translation because it just kind of, we're not necessarily looking at this from a doctrinal perspective right now. We're looking at it from a conceptual perspective to understand how Jesus frames prayer because I want you to walk out of here today maybe remembering that you should be praying. And, but what's the posture that you take when you pray and why do you pray and, and where do you stand when you pray? So here's where I stand when I pray. Maybe not every time but I think so. I, I, I aspire to. And that is, I'm not standing here looking at my problem with God on the other side of it, and I'm praying through the problem to try to get God to come to me 
and do something about the problem. What I'm doing is I'm standing to his right because I'm hidden with Christ Amen. in him. Amen. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So I'm standing with the Father looking at the problem together. Amen. And see, what that does is it takes care of a lot of issues right off the bat. It, it, it affirms the relationship, which is what Jesus taught our Father, which art in heaven. That's where you start, my Father, in heaven. I'm in heaven with him. Positionally, right? You have been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places if you said yes to him. That doesn't mean you've been resurrected already, like this body is resurrected, but, but it's a positional statement. You've been given the authority that Jesus has. You're not the Messiah. You're not going to become a God, but he's made you a joint heir in himself, and he's at the right hand of the Father. So when you pray, that's, you have to start there. You have to start and affirm this relationship. There's no separation. Whatever it is, it's not like you all of a sudden realize what you're dealing with and God says, oh, I didn't see that coming, you know. And then you got to convince him to like come stand beside you. I mean, you know, the things that we go through when we pray, we don't really know that we're doing that. But if you check your heart and you check where you feel like he is when you're praying about that thing, think, pay attention to it this week. You know, when you're praying, where is God while you're praying? Are you aware of him with you? Are you trying to get him to show up? Are you seeing him standing there disappointed, shaking his finger? Or is he some mist out there that you don't understand in terms of this issue? You know, what, what is it? Because what it should be is he is your father. Amen. He loves you. He wants to instruct you with wisdom to lead you. Uh, into his promises so that you would bring glory to his name. Amen? You know, prayer is not really about you getting stuff. I mean, well, let me, let's go through this. All right, we ready? Let's just start in verse 5 here. So uh, this is, this is um, you know, Jesus teaching. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight a little bit of what I think we skip over. So perspective shift in looking at what Jesus teaches about prayer. Um, so when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Amen. in private. Then your who sees everything, will reward you. So perspective, right? Uh, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. Now, I will catch myself. Like, I even did it today. I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but I was praying, going on, and I was feeling it. And then, and then, I, and then for, all, for some reason, just being transparent, giving an example here, for some reason, I just felt like I was more focused on the words than the connection, so I stopped reconnect, and then I speak out of that. For me, when I'm praying, if, I, if, the words, if I'm struggling with the words, I just stop, and I affirm the connection, and it's almost like I'm looking for a path, right? Like if you're looking, if you're looking to walk on a particular path and you're looking for where the next steps are, to me, that's what prayer is like often because I want to speak what he's leading me into. I don't want to just say things that sound right or just quote scripture or just address the need I want it to be something that it feels like that it's being drawn out of me towards something. Amen. 
That's just kind of how I can explain it. So if you catch yourself and you're saying things and you just aren't, you're just not feeling it, just stop. Just stop and just sit and just focus on him. You know, become aware of his presence with you. There is a real tangible element to, the, to, the, to his presence, to his spirit. You know, not in some strange charismatic way where something weird happens. If something weird might happen. That's all right. If it gets weird, let it go. <laughs> but it's got to be based on truth who Jesus is, the character of God, right? So whatever your experiences are, like if you're praying and you're meditating and you have some imaginative experience and it feels like, whoa, was that real? Well, don't worry about if it's real. Does it affirm the truth? That's what you're, that's what you're wondering. Not so much did that really happen as much as it is, does it affirm the truth? You know, your imagination can almost be thought of as art that affirms truth, because you can look at art, right? You can listen to a song, you can look at a painting, you can look at a sculpture, and, and, and that will affirm something within you. How many of you have ever had a piece of art speak to you? You know, I don't mean like it moved. <laughs> Kopi, let's stay at the Lord. Yeah. We, we got to go to, I, we did a conference in the Netherlands, and we got to drive down to Paris on a train for a few days, and went to the... <laughs> yeah. And you're, I mean, there's this Rembrandt that's as big as this back wall, you know, and you're like, man, this, this is incredible. And you just get lost in it, you know. To me, that's like the kingdom. That's God. You're just looking at him, and you're just appreciating and observing who he is and, and interacting with that presence, right? And in that interaction, real things are happening, just like the ground out, the plants are drawing nutrients up out of the ground and producing fruit and growing leaves and producing oxygen and all that, the spirit is in you and you are extrapolating that spirit into your being as wisdom, peace, righteousness. You know, for a plant, it's minerals, it's vitamins. For us, it's the, spirit, it's the life-giving things of the indwelling spirit of God, right? So when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Now, pause for a minute there. You realize that? Your Father knows what you need before you ever even ask Him. Amen. He knows what you need before you ever even ask Him. Now, just think about that for a minute. Next time you pray, you don't have to convince him of the need, of the lack. He knows. He knows the best way to meet that need. He promises he'll meet those needs. He knows what you need. Just kind of just, just let that be an anchor in your heart. God knows what you need. He's not the God of lack. He's the God of provision. Amen? Next verse. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven... May your name, now they, this is the Lord's Prayer, New Living, it's a little different probably. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, wait a minute. Go back for a minute. This is a side note. James 1, when it says... Uh, rejoice in trials, diverse temptations, all of that. 
Jesus is praying, don't let us yield to temptation. James teaches, rejoice when they come, because that word trial is actually the word temptation. So, you know, it's like, then further down in James 1.13, he says, don't say that stuff's from God. Here's another anchor point. God is not interested in bringing temptation or trials into your life. He'll lead you through them for his glory. Amen? That's just a side note. Let's keep going. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, pause there. Does that apply to you? Are you sure? Are we twisting Scripture? Are we changing what Jesus is saying? This is one of the same things. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. You don't forgive others. God won't forgive you. That's the same category. What he's doing is he's teaching the law here. Now, we know under the new covenant, post-resurrection, forgiveness is in him, right? Yes. That we, and, and Paul, Peter, they teach forgive others because God has forgiven you. It's, it's like it's exactly switched. Because you're forgiven, forgive others. Amen. Are Paul and J uh, Peter contradicting Jesus? Well, so what's going on here? Because when there's a seeming contradiction, a lot of times it's a covenantal switch. They teach exactly the opposite. Forgive them because God has forgiven you. This says if you don't forgive them, God won't forgive you. Now, does that bring clarity or confusion? Or do you say, wait a minute, Jesus said that. You have to apply it. Okay, well, if you apply it, it's got to filter through his finished work. Amen? And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, and so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, how many have ever done a Daniel fast? You're not supposed to stay. I just tricked you. <laughs> when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. No one will notice you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father, 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 perspective. When you pray, your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. <clears throat> Don't store up. So the, now he, now he addresses. So what you got to realize here is he's teaching them how to pray, right? So he's starting to talk about issues that we pray about. And what he's doing is he's giving you the mindset and the heart posture to look at these things that you're praying about. People are praying about money. Their needs being met, bills being paid. A lot of times you've made foolish decisions and you're in debt, and then you start praying. Hello. You can enroll in Financial Peace University that Ryan's going to be doing here. So. so, but do you see that? He's specifically addressing what people are praying about. Don't store up, for you, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. <clears throat> 
Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So then he's, that's like another anchor point. When you pray, Father. When you pray, know that he already knows what you need before you ever even ask. And then there's this one. Uh, you can know where the desires of your heart are, where your treasure is. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that taught. That's a pretty simple thing. One of the most fundamental, absolute, most basic ways to develop your faith is to give, is to manage your money, first fruits, toward the gospel, toward efforts of the gospel. Now, whether that means you give a fixed percentage of your income to your local church or you're giving offerings or whatever, I'm telling you, it's not, it, God's not mad at you if you don't. You're not breaking you're not under a curse if you don't, and you're not qualified for more if you do. But if you want to trust God, I am telling you, one of the most fundamental ways is give a fixed percentage of your income. Under the old covenant, there was the tithe. The tithe was a 10%, but really when you added up all that they were required to give because of the kind of sacrifices they had to do under that covenant, it's more like 30% because they had to pay for those sacrifices. You don't have to go buy a dove and bring it down to the priest and we cut it and sling the blood everywhere and then, that, then you're forgiven. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was, you know. I mean, with, so whether it's 1%, 5%, 10%, 20%, whatever it is for you, you know. I remember here, reading about Rick Warren, wrote, wrote that book, um, Purpose Driven Life. Made so much money off that book, he tithes 90% and lives off 10%. That's pretty awesome. But uh, so you know where your heart is based on where your treasure is. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire. Lyle, you did better than I'm doing. There the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And, you know, so he's like, all right, now pay attention to what you're looking at. Remember in Mark 4, he taught. Uh, what stops you from experiencing the kingdom or what stops that seed from growing, the different conditions of the heart, uh, one of the things or the, the things that stop the seed are the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, and the cares of this world. He's taught, he's, this is what he's addressing here. If you see the concepts that Jesus would continue to reaffirm when he would teach over and over and over, you see continuity. You see where this relates to what is it that you're looking at? Are you looking at this world? Are you looking at the, is the deceitfulness of riches something that you're dealing with? The cares of this world. The cares of this world. Your eye is a lamp that provides light. How are you looking at what's going on in your life is what he's talking about here. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Next verse. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. That's, again, it's a parallel almost to the Mark 4 principle. The sower sows the word. He's talking about internally what's going on on the inside. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. It's not, mammon is not just money. Mammon is, is looking at the world for your provision, really, is what it's talking about not trusting God. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
This is another anchor point. Father, in private, he knows what you need before you ever even ask. Don't worry. He's telling you, don't worry. Usually when we worry, it's because things aren't happening the way we want them to. But if we were to actually evaluate how things are happening, your needs are met. He will meet your needs. And then he lays out these promises that you can believe for that are exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. doesn't necessarily owe you those things. If your life isn't working out exactly like you're trying to plan it, don't worry about it. Are you eating? Are you sleeping in the cold? I mean, a lot of people are, but there's a lot of resources to help. If the church was properly funded, Amen. those things would be alleviated. Just leave that one there where it is, you know. Um, don't worry. Don't worry. Whether you have enough food or drink or, again, he's addressing what people are praying about. Uh, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Now, he waxes kind of philosophical, right? Now he's going to kind of get your imagination working and he's going to speak to your, the emotional part of you. Look at the birds. You know, here's a parable. I could see Jesus preaching and he's like, he's kind of going through something and then, and then it's like doing this, you feel shifts and you have to kind of change directions for a minute, you know, to kind of just speak to different parts of the brain or how we hear or whatever. You know, maybe people were getting restless. They're getting hungry. He's like, I don't know. Let's go. I don't know. I just made that up. But anyway, <laughs> look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store foods in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they? Now... He's attaching his provision to your value to him. Amen. When you pray, your father who values you, then go. Are you with me? Because a lot of times we think, well, God, you're not showing up. You know, you feel worthless. You, you feel like he, he's not taking care of you. You feel like it's not working out, and so you begin to feel like he's, he doesn't care about you. You ever felt that way? God, I prayed, and it didn't work, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing everything I can. You didn't show up. You don't care about me. No. He wants to provide for you because he values you. Amen. And because he values you, he will provide for you. Amen? Amen. That's, we're, con we're, we're putting a perspective shift on how to pray, where your mind and your heart is when you're praying. He values you. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Prayer, worry is not prayer. Worry is not prayer. It's just not. Well, I've just been praying for two hours. No, you haven't. You've been worrying for two hours. <laughs> You prayed for five minutes and worried for an hour and 55 minutes. You're laughing because you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I'm worried. You know. What good is that? 
All that does is hardens your heart. Worry, you're focusing on the lack. You're not focusing on who he is. Now, again, I'm not talking about, you know, so that you can get your Bugatti. I like Bugattis, you know, but drive up a golden driveway into your mansion. That's not what we're talking about. In other words, details necessarily aren't working out for you, but evaluate what is and appreciate that and then watch God exceedingly abundantly above bless you. Amen? Uh, don't worry about your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Stay on that one for just a minute. You know, this is something that we talk about often in here. Little faith is not because you don't have enough faith. Little faith, great faith and little faith are defined by this. How confident are you in who God is? Amen. You know, because we think, we think okay, well, I got to get some more of that faith stuff. I got to build my faith. I have to grow my faith. If my faith is little, it would, you know, make sense that I've got to grow it to the big faith. Well, the difference between little faith and big faith is some two people standing in front of Jesus. One is saying, you don't care about me. Don't you see these problems I'm going through? What's going on? Why haven't you shown up? Little faith, big faith. I don't care what that thing says. Amen. You are my God. Amen. You are my peace. You are my strength. Amen. And that is your reality. Even more real than anything you might be going through. Little faith, great faith. Amen. Your confidence in Him. Amen? Next verse. Don't worry about these things. You know, th this is what I heard preparing for this message. So don't worry. So don't worry. Say that. So don't worry. Don't worry about these things. What do we eat? What do we drink? What will we wear? Next verse. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. <laughs> but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Now, this is not talking about in performance. This is talking about in mindset. Because this is, this is, this is a call to repentance is what it is that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. When Jesus shows up, the very first thing he starts preaching under his public ministry is uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the very first thing he says. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change the way that you're thinking because the kingdom's here now. Amen. And then he begins to go and show what the kingdom looks like. He begins to reteach things and talk about what life is like in the kingdom. And here he's contextualizing what prayer looks like in the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Repent. The kingdom is at hand, right? Where's the kingdom? It's at hand. It's here. It's joined to you. It's a dimension with which you are connected to through Christ that is influencing you for his glory. And he will glorify himself through you by bringing blessing into your life. You know, I, the older I get, the less I pray for stuff. Man, I prayed for things, you know, specifics in a while. I, sometimes I do, but it's more like, you know better than anything that I could dream up. 
I'm just going to go ahead and just pray that you be glorified through me. Because whatever you come up with is going to be way better than whatever I can come up with. And I'm not going to get bent out of shape and worry about this thing. It's not working out the way I think it's supposed to. But it's my passion. Well, whatever. He can change your desires. Amen. He will lead you into things that are way more fulfilling than the stuff that you think is the fulfilling stuff. Amen. <laughs> All right. Seek kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Now, why, does living, why is living righteously associated with him giving you everything you need? Is it because once you properly perform, then he gives you stuff? Or is it because righteous living softens your heart, keeps you sensitive toward him, and you can experience his blessing? It's perspective. Which one is it? God is not withholding from you. Your sin is not causing God to withhold blessing from you. He's given you Jesus. What else does he have to give you? Nothing. Everything has already been given to you. Amen. Living righteously gives you confidence toward him. It, it keeps your heart sensitive toward him. But the only way that you can live righteously is by his grace. Yielding to the influence that is within you. Amen? Amen. Next verse. So don't worry. Again, you're going to hear me say that this week, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You've got enough stuff to worry about today. You've got enough stuff to think about and pray about and deal with and make decisions today. But if you make it a habit of not worrying, and I'm telling you, it just makes a huge difference in your life. If you make it a habit of looking for the kingdom. And this is where that passage, I think Lyle left because their family was sick. I forgot to mention them, but we were praying for those little ones too. Uh, Bethany's at home with them. But that, you know, the veil being lifted off where the, when you read the law, they, don't under, they didn't see Jesus, they didn't understand him, but now the veil is lifted off and it's through him that we interact with that spirit. This is what it's talking about. Don't worry. Put that last verse up for just for a minute. The last part is it. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So don't worry about tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Now, what is it that you're, you know, what did you get out of it? What is it that you're recognizing that you do when you pray? Maybe you realize you didn't realize how much you worry. Maybe you actually, maybe worry is so normal for you, you don't even realize that you're worrying. Ask somebody. Now, be nice. If somebody says, hey, do I worry? This is not your chance to, you know, be nice. Well, you know, maybe sometimes, you know. Don't worry. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? No. Does that mean cancer is just going to magically go away? No. Does that mean all the world's troubles are going to be solved? No. But seeking the kingdom causes that repentance, that shift to where you affirm your connection with the Father. He knows what you need before you ever even ask. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, in a, it's born out of a place of intimacy with him. It's understanding that you are valuable to him and he desires to be God for you ultimately so that he'll be glorified in this earth. You know, I want to be a vessel that God so glorifies himself through 
that, that people look at what's going on in our lives and they say, I don't know what they've got, but I want what they've got. Mostly by our love for one another. Amen. That's really the formula that he gives if you want a formula, our love for each other. You know, so when, when your spouse or your friend says, hey, do I worry? This is your opportunity to love <laughs> so that the world, you know, think of it this way. When you answer that question, because I'm just telling you, I know some of you. When you answer that question for that person, keep in mind the world might be watching and that love that you should experience in that should cause, you know. <laughs> some of you, this is not, that part's not for you, but some of you it is. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to look down and not really go there. But. So don't worry. So don't worry. Remember, he's for you. He's with you. He's your father. He values you beyond anything that you could imagine. He wants to provide for you. He will provide for you. He's seeking to provide for you. Not just provide for you, but to bless you exceedingly abundantly above Amen. all that you can ask or think. Amen. Now, it may not look like exactly what you want it to look like, but it will ultimately end up better than what you want it to look like. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Amen. All right. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the, the relationship that we have with you. Thank you that you've given us Christ. You've given us the Bible to, to help us understand and shift our thinking on these things. And, and we will approach prayer this week based on our relationship with you, based on your value for us, and based on your, your foreknowledge of what we need. And we're just not going to worry. There's plenty of other things to worry about in this life. We, sh we don't want to have to worry about our relationship with you and, and the things that you want to do through us. We're just, we're making a, con now, now do this with me. I am making a conscious decision to give you permission, Holy Spirit, to remind me that when I pray, to not worry. And when I pray, if I find myself worrying, I'll just stop. I'll just stop talking. I will seek the kingdom inwardly. I will shift my thinking to realize again my value for you, your plans for me, my relationship with you, and I will let that be more real to me than the need. And I will trust you to lead me and guide me into all truth, and into blessing as you affirm the promises that you paid for on the cross. Does that ring true to you? Is that a decision you're willing to make and commit to? Amen? All righty. You know, if you're here, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty easy.